Hello, and welcome to the LI Law Podcast. We feature legal issues and developments which affect Long Island residents and business owners. We, ho we hope that everyone out there is feeling well and staying safe. Our guest on this 57th episode is Les Wolf, owner of Les Wolf Sports LLC. Les will speak with us on Long Island collectibles, appraisals, and preservation of memorabilia. Les Wolf Sports is a name that's been synonymous with autographs and sports memorabilia for more than five decades. Please check out the show notes for Les's contact information and keep in mind that we are not providing any specific legal advice or other advice to specific questions. Les, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Zahava. Okay, so let's start right away. Les, how did you become an expert on memorabilia and collectibles? Well, it's an interesting story. I started at a very young age, at six years old. I started collecting newspapers and I, in my apartment and my parents in Forest Hills and I started hiding them in underneath the radiator in the hall because my mom wouldn't allow me to keep them in there. So that was my first experience with collecting. And since then, I've just gone, uh, gone on to collecting uh, everything just about in memorabilia and collectibles. Very good. And, and what kinds of memorabilia do you see on Long Island? I see a lot of autograph memorabilia, a lot of cards, uh, specifically cards. And I see, but I see, what I don't see is a lot of people properly protecting and preserving their, their memorabilia and also ensuring their collections. Okay, well, we're going to get to that a little later. I want to talk about the kind of items that uh, maybe one of our listeners uh, has and is wondering if it has any value. So are there any specific items to Long Island which may have greater value than others? Well, it's interesting. It depends on what the person collects. I mean, everybody collects something. Something that you may not think is valuable, maybe it actually may become very, it is very valuable. For example, it could be <clears throat> recently I did a lecture and it was a Hannes T206 uh, baseball card, Hannes Wagner, which is one of the rarest in the world. And I saw that and wanted to so say, you never know. Basically, you never know what you could find. And in Long Island, I found that since Babe Ruth and uh, Lou Gehrig did barnstorming tours. You might find some Lou Gehrig or Babe Ruth items. Or Carl Yastrzemski grew up at, out in Riverhead. You may find some unique Carl Yastrzemski items. Or you may find some <clears throat> James Corbett, who was a heavyweight champion, lived in Bayside. Uh, so they're all, it's all over the gamut. You never know what you're going to find. Uh, recently, there was a Frank Sinatra uh, fingerprints when he got arrested that he signed by that was discovered on Long Island. So you never know what you could find. Very interesting. And how would a collector know if the items in his or her collection are valuable or not? Can, can we determine that by ourselves? Well, what you'd have to do is contact someone like myself that's got a vast knowledge of memorabilia and not just sports, celebrity, presidential, or even, um, even stuff in your house may be valuable. You may have an old uh, painting that you didn't know is a Picasso because it's not signed in a specific spot that it normally would be signed in. And that, that's how a lot of the discoveries are found. Uh, a lot of stuff has been found in attics. People have stuff, left stuff in attics and not knowing what was up there and went up there and, they, and look what they found. I mean, I've had a, a woman <laughs> contact me for one of the lectures. She couldn't make my lecture in Garden City Library. And she had in her attic a whole bunch of press pins and stuff that she uh, couldn't get out. It took a long time to get it out. But when she got it out, she found out she was, it was worth a lot of money. Very interesting. So we should all be looking in our attics. So let me ask you, Les, does an antique item necessarily have a greater value than a more modern piece? Or is that not, is that not correct? Um, in in collector, in, well, in real estate, you always hear location, location, location. In antiques, you always hear 
condition, condition, condition. Now, the, the older the item generally is, the more valuable. But since the pandemic has hit us, some of the newer stuff has become more valuable because more and more collectors want to see like LeBron James cards and Mike Trout cards that are recent new cards have become more valuable now because there's more of a demand for it. And more and more people are investing in the newer stuff than the older stuff. <clears throat> but as I always say in, in my lectures, I said, you always want to collect the vintage, the oldest stuff, because it's getting harder and harder to find. The, <clears throat> excuse me. The newest stuff is always uh, going to be printed and always easy to find relatively. But the older stuff is always harder to find. And I would always say, collect, collect first what you like. And then don't look at it as an investment. Just look, just enjoy it. And then if it turns out to be a, a valuable item, that's fine. That's great. But you don't always want to collect for, for you know, monetary gains. Like you, your photos on your walls, you paint your, your artwork, anything in your house that means something to you may not mean something to someone else. So that's valuable to you. Very interesting. And how important is the provenance, meaning being able to prove or show how you... That, that's extremely important. Um, for example, uh, I, I work on some, I'm working on an estate right now, and I worked on one recently where a relative of Mickey Mantle, the, the great Yankee Hall of Famer, uh, I got contacted by a, a relative of his, and there was, some, there was some stuff that was in there that I had no idea what it was. I bought it basically sight unseen. Took me three months of research to find out that what I thought was the least valuable of the stuff, it turned out to be the most valuable, was a script for a Mickey Mantle movie that never happened with notes of his. So you never know. I mean, you have to do a lot of research and you have to do a lot. It takes a lot of time, but it's a lot of fun because you never know what something could really be worth unless you do, you know, it's just like, it's like, um, it's like a treasure hunt. You know, you spend months and months looking, looking at an item and you don't know what that item is until you finally, ding, there it is. That's what it is. And you finally, finally click. So you never know. Very interesting. And what are some tips you have for listeners who either have collections and collections themselves, or perhaps like an executor of an estate are managing the memorabilia of someone else. What I try to tell people is in, as an appraiser, the first thing you have to find out is what the intended use is, what they want to do with it, whether they want to, they want to distribute it amongst the family. If, if I also tell them they need to have an estate attorney, always look over everything and have everything all, all, you know, all the dots and you know, the I's dotted and the T's crossed because you have to have everything organized. And then once they have that and then have the ex executor of the estate, I'm working on a collection. It's taken a couple of years. The wife's husband passed away, has an extensive baseball card collection. Every now and then I let them know that, you know, now's the time they should be selling it. They have, a, they have 10 Mickey Mantle rookie cards and the market is crazy now for that. And I said to the, I said to the husband of the, the, of the wife of the father that passed away, and now is the time to do it, but they still haven't decided because they're still too, too attached to it. But you have to have a, a plan. You have to have an intended use. Like one collection I'm working on, a friend of mine passed away. I'm working with his brother-in-law and his sister. And it's taken me a long time to go through it because you have to have it, you have to organize it. Most people, I tell them, try to get a list of everything. Hopefully you have it appraised by someone like myself from the ISA, International Society of Appraisers. Have everything taken care of before something happens. The main thing is you want to plan this stuff before because God forbid somebody passes away and you don't have anything planned. It's like, it's like you're jumbling around. You're not, you're not, you're not doing it the right way. In order to do it the right way, it's first, I would say, hire an estate attorney that knows what they're doing, 
and then hire an appraiser, have that estate attorney hire an appraiser to go over the collection. And then three, have that actual person, the attorney and the appraiser, figure out who the who the executor of the estate is, whether it's the husband, the wife, the son, the daughter, or, who, or whomever, have them work and to sell that collection, or if they want to keep that collection. Barry Halper was a very famous Yankee part owner of the Yankees and a very famous collector. Uh, one of the things I had conversations with him, may he rest in peace, was, you know, how, how to finally move on with your collection. And he didn't want to have his family have to go through the, the ordeal of trying to sell it after he passed away. So what he did was he had an estate attorney work with him. He had an appraiser work with him and he put it all into an auction. Well, this happened about 15 years ago when he passed away. Well, the, the estate, uh, they, it sold for about $27 million back then. That collection now is probably worth probably a couple hundred million. But the fact was that the family did not have to have the aggravation of trying to go through everything and trying to take care of it. So the best advice I could always tell people is plan in advance. Think ahead. You know, you don't want to think when you're going to pass away. <clears throat> Most people, you know, you, you, you get a cemetery plot and you have the, you have the, you know, you have everything planned for God forbid, but realistic when you pass away, the same thing, most important, you have to plan for your collection, plan for your, your heirs and your family. So it makes it a lot easier for them not to have to go through the aggravation of trying, who do I call? What do I do? Am I getting ripped off? Is this fair? And that, that's the main thing. That, that sounds like excellent advice. And let's say the person, like you mentioned that example, the person has not yet passed and wants to arrange his or her own affairs for estate planning. How does that person with a memorabilia or collection find someone like you? Uh, is there a website? I understand that you're an appraiser, but I'm just saying in general, is it, are, are we looking for certain qualifications or criteria when we determine who is a good appraiser? Well, I'm part of the International Society of Appraisers. They'd have to go to the website. There's only only a couple of us in the, in the country that do what I do, or in the world for that matter. I pro I'm probably the only one I know of in Long Island that does what I do. Um, the first thing is you have to you know you have to Google it, just like anything else. You got you got to ask around for people that, that that know who to go to, or in any particular industry. Like for example, if you're in art. You want to contact uh, someone that knows about art, you know, specific paintings. You want to have them work with that person that can help them to get their most money for their artwork. Okay. And, you and also want to make sure that they're, they're reliable. You also want to check out their references, but you want to have an attorney, an estate attorney that can make the phone calls, that can help you. Because the key thing in football, the main, the main, the main, uh, uh, main player on a football team is the quarterback. He sets up all the plays. The coach sends the plays, but the quarterback has to actually hand off the ball or throw the ball. You want an, an estate attorney that can do, be able to hand off the ball or throw the ball or what to do with, with, you know, with the collection. Now, it's not just sports. It's just anything. That's, a great, lot of that's a great metaphor. And I just want to ask you, because you're touching on the value, preserving the value. How important is it to ensure a collection? Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, Gene Michael, who was the general manager of the New York Yankees, may he rest in peace. I got called into his house. George Steinbrenner at the time, the Yankees were in a pennant race. So Gene Michael was traveling around. He wasn't allowed to get back to his house. He had a big flood in his basement. So I, I had to wait till he got back home. I had to go in there with, at the time. This is in the, in the 80s. I had to go into his house uh, in the 90s. I'm sorry, in the 90s. I had to go to his house with gloves and a, and a mask that we walk around nowadays and had to try to figure out what the stuff was worth because he didn't properly protect it. It was in a, it was a basement, a water a pipe broke and everything got flooded. 
So he didn't have, he had, he ha actually had Chubb insurance, but he didn't have the full value of the appraisal for the insurance because it hadn't been updated. So another thing is you want to have the, always have your appraisals updated. And that's part of the estate attorney. She's, he or she has got to be the person that's got to coordinate everything, let you know, okay, well, your policy is up for, uh, your, your uh, insurance policy is up, you need to renew it. Because every year the stuff either goes up or down, but most of the time it goes up. So I had to physically go through baseballs signed by Thurman Munson, who passed away in a, in, a, in a plane crash, and I had to figure out who else was on the team or what, you know, it took me quite a while to go through the collection, but it was just very interesting to see that how people don't properly protect their stuff. And because of that, because of things like that, and because of Hurricane Sandy, I, I copywrote Collect, Invest, Protect, and Preserve Memorabilia. Okay, and we're, we're going to get to that in a minute. Sure. Uh, we're, we're, there's so much information here, and I know that our listeners will want to contact you to speak about their specific uh, items. But I want to ask you, you've mentioned the pandemic, and let's talk about that for a minute. Do you see any trends this year in collectibles, and how has your business changed, if at all, due to COVID-19? Well, in the first part of your question, the pandemic, it's, it's very interesting. I used to do, I do a lot of shows and I do a lot of presentations because of the, I, a lot of library presentations and a lot of just plain pl presentations where anybody wants to hire me or have me speak. I've found that a lot of pe more people are doing it via Zoom now. Zoom has become huge because people can, don't have to leave their home and they could show you whatever they have. So I ask people to send me an email, I can take a look at it and I can evaluate it. Uh, because of the pandemic, I found a lot more, a lot of people have been stuck at home or stuck wherever they are, and they're looking around and trying to find things. And what they're finding is they're surprising themselves that they have a lot of valuable stuff in their home or in their office or in their storage, wherever. And the, the market has got is, as far as sports memorabilia, collectibles, antiques, the market is exploding now. I've never seen it go like this. If you were to tell me 30 years ago that a Mickey Mantle rookie card would go for a couple million dollars for a PSA 10. That means gem mint. I would say you're out of your mind, but that's the way the market is now. There's a Mike Trout card. There's two cards that sold recently. One was a one of one. That means only one of those cards was made, signed by him, a special refractor card that sold for almost $4 million. There was another one that was one of five that sold for 1.4 million. There was a LeBron James card that went for close to 2 million, a rookie card. There was a Wayne Gretzky rookie card that went for uh, for almost two million. So it's just and and Michael Jordan because of Last Dance. There was a show about his uh, about his championship season. Michael Jordan was one of the greatest basketball players I've ever seen, uh, and I've had the pleasure to meet him. He, an amazing athlete. Now, who would know? Who would have thought that because there's a pandemic, no one had anything to watch? That everybody be watching this Last Dance show because of that. His memorabilia is 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 like flown off. You know, it's gone to another level. It's like at the same, he's like become like, not that he wasn't great before, but now he's gone to that Babe Ruth level of, of basketball where he's one of the all-time greatest, the Muhammad Ali, Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan of the, of the, of the sport. That's amazing. So certainly there's money uh, to be made in the market if someone wants to sell, but let's talk about the collector who maybe doesn't either want to sell or is waiting to see if the values go up more. Let's talk about preservation because I know that's very important. Could you please explain the importance of lighting, temperature and location and why preservation is so essential for collections? Well, like I said before, because of the um, Hurricane Sandy in, in the early, in 2012, I think it was, my in-laws house got hit pretty hard by the, by the flooding in the basement. And before that, my own 
one of my collectible closets got a pipe broken, destroyed a lot of stuff. But because of and going and going to a, a Fortune 500 company's office, I went to deliver some memorabilia to one of my clients. I went and looked on his wall and I said to the specific, uh, let's say John, I said, John, you know, the stuff on your wall here, because you don't have shades and you don't have any anything protecting the glass here, you just lost $10,000 worth of memorabilia on this wall. Well, P.S., he invited me to his home and he had, at the time, he had one of the most extensive, he had the number one rated Mickey Mantle card collection in the world at the time. So I went over stuff. So the main thing is, first off, as far as protecting your collection, you got to make sure that you have the proper lighting. You don't want to have... You, you want to have an LED lighting, not just a plain lighting. Temperature, you always want it to be between 68 and 72. Because if it's too hot, like a collection I went to see in Connecticut, the man didn't have any air conditioning. He had everything in a closet and he smoked. So the, the collection was stuck to plastic sheets. It was terrible. And I paid him X amount of dollars. And I said to I said, Jim, I said, I got to tell you, I could have paid you a lot more had you protected it. So all these things added up and, and I just started writing down these things and I started remembering them. And that's what led me to collect, invest, protect and preserve memorabilia because so many people don't know what to do with their memorabilia collectibles. I've got a Fortune 500 collector that's going to have a, a that's working on a museum, museum in the East Coast here. And I saw on a TV show that he got interviewed and he had jerseys that were worth three hundred dollars to $500,000 on the floor in his basement. Now, in, to me, anything in the basement is, is a number one no-no. You don't want to have anything on the floor because there's too many probabilities of things that can happen. You could, have a, you could have a pipe burst in your boiler. You can have, if you have your washing machine, you dry, you could have that burst. You could have an overhead uh, pipe break, or you could have, um, you could have some kind of, you know, some other, you know, come up from the, from the ground could come up and destroy your stuff. So I always tell people, you want to make sure you have it in, Acid-free non-glass, you want to have, they have anything framed, you want to make sure you have that on a wall, make sure that's protected. Anything in the basement, you want to make sure you have it in uh, plastic tubs, the proper tubs. But I don't just say one tub, do it in a couple, two tubs. So this way, God forbid, if water does get in there, they're protected doubly. Meaning it, one tub inside another. Exactly, because you don't, you don't want to take that chance. Um, you want to also make sure that you don't, you know, but you don't, this is kind of hard, but you need to have an inspector come in there and see where the pipes are. Cause you never know where pipes are that could possibly cause leaks. You want to make sure you have your, your windows. You want to have the proper blinds. Um, you need to, someone, uh, someone that sells blinds that sells a pro that can probably protect the UV lights because the UV lights, believe it or not, a lot of people keep their window shades open or the blinds open and it can have artwork or paintings or pictures on the wall and that could fade them also. Right. So I hear that these mistakes are very costly. Unless I know that you're, you speak at a number of libraries and other public venues. Do you have any pro, uh, programs coming up where collectors may participate and show you their memorabilia? Or do you have any other advice you want to share with our listeners? Anybody anybody wants to show me anything that they have, they can always just uh, send me an email, lwolf, W-O-L-F-F, 1823 at AOL. Or they can always call me at 516-933-7787. My website is Les Wolf Sports, L-E-S-W-O-L-F-F, sports, S-P-O-R-T-S, L-L-C.com. Um, the next program I have scheduled is in March and it'll be at the Plainview Library, but it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, I've gotten a lot of people that have asked me. They know that I know a lot about other things. And I start out with coins and stamps. Um, so I'm not going to be just doing sports. The last time I did a, a presentation, I had about 35 people there. Now they want me to do it to hit more of a broad base. 
anything in a person's home that has value, I could help you with. For example, you may have an old uh, sewing machine, a Singer sewing machine. Some of those things are very valuable. It depends on the condition. Like I said, if there's anything we get out of this lecture, the main thing for most people to collect anything, it's condition, condition, condition. That you always got to be very careful. You want to make it, it's, if it's the best condition is always going to go for the most amount of money very and the scarcity. Very interesting. And that's it for our 57th episode. Thank you, Les, for coming on the podcast today and for all of your information, which is very important. To our listeners, be sure to download this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep well and stay safe. The LI Law Podcast lets you know what's happening on Long Island and is your podcast for local tips which educate and entertain. Thanks for listening.